0: If you would, go ahead and open your Bibles up to John chapter 13. We're finally getting out of John 12, moving on to John 13. Exciting things are getting ready to happen. Just go ahead and open up to John chapter 13. We'll, be, we'll start there in verse 1 here in just a second. But, you know, in our day, travel has been real, uh, real easy, though some of us may think it's tough. Uh, many of us cringe at the thought of making a 16-hour plane trip to India. Now, I've been on one of those trips, and it's long, and it's grueling, and it's a hard thing to do. It's Yes, it's tough, but uh, but don't get me wrong. It's hard on the body, and it can be miserable. But in Jesus' day, the only way they had to get around was on their feet. They walked everywhere they went. And I don't know. Probably some of them may have had a donkey or a camel, but it just probably wasn't very often that they did have access to one of those. You know, um, I just walked to 5K the other day with with my wife in support of uh, Finding Hope Ministries, and, and I got a blister on my foot. And then I talked to Ashley, and she just got through running a 26... Is it 26K? It's a marathon. Is it 26? 26 miles. Not kilometers, miles. Yeah, five hours and something, you said? My goodness. I asked her for... she still had her toes, and she said, some of them. But, uh, you know, even today, if you can't afford a bicycle or a motorcycle or a car, then you walk. You know, I see people walking all the time, walking up and down the highways. Uh, I mean, I see them walking across that bridge all the time, carrying a backpack. They're going somewhere. You know, and this is what Jesus and his disciples, they would do this every single day. Day. That's the only way they had to get around was this. Jesus knew this, and then Paul wrote this. And he says in Romans 10, 14 to 5, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And then how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Right? Well, how's that preacher going to get there? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Tonight we're going to hear a little bit of both about how they're sent and how they go, and as is, as it is written, it says, "How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel, because it's their feet that got them there." And Jesus knew that. it's the feet of the messenger that brings the good news, and this is the reason behind our passage tonight, or at least what I really believe that we can see in God's word, and it teaches the disciples a new way of life that's getting ready to be unleashed because of the death of Christ. Here we are just days, I mean days, maybe even hours away from Jesus taking his place on the cross to die for our sins. It will be our feet that takes us out of this church building and and takes us to the world that's that's lost and dying and the world that's in need and for us to bring them that gospel message. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up there to John chapter 13, verse 1. We'll start reading right there. And before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world... He loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and that he was going to go back to God, he rose up from the supper, laid aside out his outer garment, taking up a towel, he tied it around his waist, and then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, wipe them down with a towel and wrap that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, "Lord, do you do you wash my feet?" This is a really weird way to question. "Hey, are you really really Jesus, you're going to wash my feet?" I don't think so. That's that's really what's happening right here. And Jesus answered him, "What I'm doing, you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand." And Peter said to him, "You shall never wash my feet." And Jesus said, "If I do not wash you, You have no share in me, or you have no, your Bibles may say, have no part in me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet, but only my hands and my head, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to be washed except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. What was said, not all of you are clean. And then he had washed, when he had washed their feet and he put on the outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them this Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then you, Lord and teacher, if your Lord and teacher has washed your feet, you also ought to wash the feet of another. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. I'm going to repeat that. I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking... Of all of you, I know whom I have chosen, but the scriptures will be fulfilled who ate my bread and lifted his heel against me. I am telling you now before it takes place that when it does take place that you may believe that I am he truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Father God, we just thank you for your word, and we just just use this time, Father, to to increase our knowledge about you uh, through your spirit, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing I really want you to see is that Jesus knew. Right here, right off the bat, when we start reading this, Jesus knew. The first thing we come across is now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come To depart out of this world. Jesus lived on a heavenly time clock, and we've got to get this we gotta get this wrapped around in our minds because we live on a worldly time clock. But Jesus lived on a heavenly time clock. And as we've studied through the book of John, you know and I know as well that many times we've come across this phrase, my hour has not yet come. You know the first time we come across that was John chapter two, verse four. His hour had not come, and this happened at the wedding at Cana when he told his mother that he no it's not time yet mom it's not time yet John seven thirty no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come, and then, in the temple in John eight twenty we find this, this the same scenario happened. No one could arrest him because his hour had not yet come, but last month or last the last couple of weeks, we found out in John chapter twelve. He says, my hour has come. John 12, 33, Jesus told his disciples, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And that's what's getting ready to happen. Jesus is going to the cross. He's going to take his place on the cross, and it's going to glorify the Father. But not only will it glorify the Father, it's going to glorify Jesus because he will be resurrected. He will ascend to heaven. He will sit down at the right hand of God. Amen. And John 3, 3, uh, 13, 1 tonight, we find in this passage, Jesus knew his hour had come for him to depart he's going to depart this world and in john 17 1 jesus is praying and this is this is when 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 jesus went to the garden of gethsemane and, and and peter james and john they went a little bit further in with jesus and i'm john's back here. peter and them may have fell asleep but john's back here recording his prayer that jesus is praying because he writes it down in this book and jesus prays this right here the hour has come glorify your son is what Jesus prayed. That's the, first, that's the first verse in John chapter 17. And this was the most divine appointments of all divine appointments. You know, we talk about having divine appointments in our life. Well, this is the most divine appointment of all appointments because Jesus' hour had come. And it was this hour, this time, appointed by God that he would be glorified through his son's death, his resurrection and his ascension. From a human perspective It meant suffering It meant pain It meant grief It meant blood It meant tears But from, the, from God's perspective And from Jesus' perspective It meant glory It meant glory He would leave this world And return to his Father in heaven Jesus left the glory of heaven He didn't have to leave heaven But God said son They need saved Go down for this divine appointment. Go down for this hour, for this time that I've chosen for you. He said, go down and take up the cross. And when he said, it is finished, his ark here on earth was completed. It was done. It was finished. That's the moment that he died on the cross. He completed his earthly ministry. He'd done what God the Father wanted him to do, and then he ascended into heaven to be in heaven with God. To take up that spot at the right hand of God. And, and you need to know this right here, and, and don't miss this right here. When the servant of God is, due, is in the will of God, he is immortal until his work is done. They couldn't even arrest Jesus, they couldn't let him, they, uh, they couldn't kill him, they couldn't do anything to him until his time was just right until the hour had arrived. Now, I'm not saying you as Christians are immortal. Don't get, don't, I didn't say that right there. I'm talking about Jesus. He was doing the will of the Father. He's the only one that I've known that's ever done the complete will of God the Father. And because that, he was immortal until the time of his death, until it was time for him to take it. But I will tell you this right here. If you, as a Christian, you live your life and you live your life in God's will and God. We'll work for you until the day he's done with you. That's when you might face that appointment with death. Each and every one of us have it. We all have that appointment with death. We're, we're, and that's the one thing that most everybody fears the most. There's, no, there's nothing more feared than death. But Jesus has already conquered death. So we don't really have to fear death no more. We have the we have the, the the eternal security of the believer that Jesus has already conquered death and he's resurrected from the grave. We believe this because we've read this in the Bible and and we've taken it into our heart that Jesus is Lord. And through that right there, we will all spend eternity with him in heaven. He knew who uh You know, he knew who every one of them, every single one of them is what the scripture says right here. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. His own who were in the world, he loved them. He he, he knows every one that's in his hand right now. He loves you. You need to know that right there tonight, and it was not just that. This, it's not this, uh, this small kind of love. This is the this is the agape or the agape kind of love, the kind of love that only God the Father has for His own people. It's the only love that 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 God can show, and this is the kind of love that God wants us to have for Him. This is the kind of love that that when you know I told this to the to the men at the men's retreat when when Jesus. After his, after his resurrection, they were sitting there having lunch on the shore. It was a fish lunch, by the way. Fried fish, or I don't know, for breakfast. Somebody said it's not possible, but I I believe in eating fried fish for breakfast. Uh, it's biblical. Uh, they were doing it that one day on the shore. And, and And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And he's talking about this agape kind of love. Uh, the, the love that only God has for his children. And... Peter says, you know I love you, but the kind of love that's recorded in the text is not the same kind of love. It's not the same kind of love. He loves us. This is how Jesus loved his disciples, and this is how he loves you and me. It's interesting that it says he loved them to the end. And I think John writes this to say Jesus loved them all the way up to his death on the cross, but more than that, he says to the end of the ages. He will love them all. All who are his. But we know this, that, that Jesus is the Alpha, the Omega. He is the beginning and the end, to which of him there is not no end. You know, we, we say he's the beginning and the end, but he's the beginning and the end of a lot of things. But we're going to have a chance to live with him eternally. And we're going to get to live in this agapo or this agape kind of love. Only the love that the Father has for us. You know, and there's another thing that he knew right here. He knew that the devil was already among them. He knew that the devil was already You remember that little passage we read back in John chapter six, verse seventy? It says that here he says that he knew who would betray him, and and they has a de- he had a devil inside of him. Just flip over there and read that real quick. John chapter six, verse seventy. It's been a little bit since we've covered this right here. Jesus answered him and said, Did I not choose you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. One of you is a devil. And and the devil was already amongst them. He, he had been amongst them for a while. He already put into him means that now the devil is inserted into the heart of Judas. He was there in the heart of Judas at that time. And he knew that Judas was going to betray him. But he also knew that the Father had given all things into his hands. He had all things in his hands. He's got the whole world. We sing that song, don't, in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the little bitty babies in his hands. He's got you and me in his hands, is what how the song goes. He knew the Father had given him all things. We read it right there. Jesus knew that the Father had given him all things into his hand, that he had come from God and he was going back to God. Don't you have that same security night as a believer, knowing that one day you're going to die and you're going to go to heaven? You know. You either know that you know or you don't know at all. You either believe it or you're living a dream. You shouldn't even be at church. I mean that's just crazy to come to church if you don't believe in what we're what we're preaching here and what what's going on here. he knew that he came from the Father he knew he was going back and he's and he's told us all about this Jesus left glory and he would return to glory he knew what was going on so we have this right here we know we know what Jesus knew what did he know he knew he knew that he was going to His hour had come. He knew that he was going to depart out of this world. He knew that he loved his disciples. He knew he loved us. He knew the devil was already among them. and he knew that the Father had given him all things into his hand. And he knew where he'd come from and where he was going back to. In these next verses here, we actually see what Jesus did. What Jesus knew to what Jesus did. Verse 4 there, he rose from supper. He lay aside his outer garment, taking up a towel. He tied it around his waist, and then he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet, wipe them with the towel. And then he, that was wrapped around him, and he came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I am doing to you, you do not understand. But after this, you will understand. So here we have this right here, and and, and Peter starts to get in this argument. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him and said, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. You have no part with me. That means you're not with me at all, period. You're either in or you're out. He said, if you don't let me do this, then you're out. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, this right here, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but it's completely clean, and you are clean. Jesus right here, this is the coolest thing that's in this whole passage. Jesus right here is telling Peter, you're saved, buddy. You're already saved. You don't need to be clean no more. I've already cleaned you. I've already forgave you. When I called you out as a disciple, this is what I've done for you. You're already clean. All you need is your feet washed off, buddy, because it's been a dusty road. Let's clean those feet up. And then he says, but not everyone, for he knew who was about to betray him. And that's why he said, not all of you are clean. So I want to give you just a little bit of history of foot washing. And, and, and we're going we're gonna to go into to some, some biblical text here too. Um, but uh, due to the climate that surrounds the Mediterranean Sea, uh, it was common for, for people who, to wear sandals or to go barefooted. I mean, we we have that today. I wear flip-flops all the time. Plank kids go around barefooted everywhere they go. When they get home, do you all need to work? Look, yeah, hold your foot up, Brock. Look at that foot. I mean, he needs his foot clean tonight because he's been traveling around. I mean, I can't get no better illustration than that right there. Don't need no night's book of illustration, do we, when we got the plank kids around? So, so you know, the feet were constantly exposed. They, they always got dirty. And so foot, foot washing was like eating or sleeping. They had to do it. It, it was essential. It was a daily activity, and, and no one could do without it. So they had to do it. Now, foot washing, though, it, it, it comes in many varieties. It comes in many shades, if you want to say it. Foot washing was among the lowest types of work performed by slaves. And, and it was usually female slaves that done the work. In order to exert his authority, the tyrant... Uh, uh, Calgala forced the elders of the Senate to wash his feet. That's some Roman history for you, right there. He made the he made his senators, hey, get up here and wash my feet. And this would have been humiliating for those for those guys. But here, the foot washing of the Jews was was a little bit different. It, it, it was significant, and, and and it was part of their lives, and and they. Uh, it was based on their teachings in the Old Testament, and and it was good hygiene. The Israelites did uh, didn't have the the privilege of bathing every day since since water was really scarce, and because of uh, the mild Mediterranean climate, they didn't really need to. That uh, they didn't require those baths every day. However, daily foot washing was necessary. It was a necessary form of hygiene. That's interesting. A bath wasn't, but foot washing was. So how important was foot washing over being fully clean? When Peter says, well, wash my head and my hands, well, this goes back to the Old Testament where they would wash their head and their hands and their feet before they went into the Holy of Holies, the priest would. So you have that going on there, but but really the main hygiene thing was, hey, we can get them feet clean because it was important. However, daily foot washing was a necessary form of hygiene, it was, and it was a luxury uh, to return home to have one's feet washed at the end of the day. Now, 2 Samuel eleven eight 8 through 13, David wanted Uriah to return home for a different reason, to wash his feet. That's what it says in the scripture, but he had something else in mind. It was also uh, the last cleansing act before you retired and went to bed. So it was important to wash your, you don't go, did, Brock, do you go to bed with your feet dirty? Not even Brock goes to bed with his feet dirty. What about you, Logan, do you? You don't know. <laughs> Nettie says no. Nettie said after so after washing their feet, people would, 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 would they would they would uh, open their doors to people, their visitors, and, and visitors would come in and, and they would wash those, they would have those feet washed of their visitors that would come in. And since foot washing was a day of the cleansing ritual, every family they owned some kind of storage tank of some kind. If you report, it was probably made out of clay or wood. But if you're rich, you can look back in Job 25 and 26, and you can see where they use silver and gold water basins to wash people's feet. Uh, the, those, uh, those experiencing great tribulation, deep sorrow, though, they would not have their feet washed. They would not clean their feet. Uh, uh, there was a cripple in the Bible, and he didn't clean his feet when David left. He left the, he left the castle. He left... He left his house, and, and until the day he returned, then he washed his feet. So foot washing was a form of hospitality too. When guests paid a visit, it was customary to wash their feet, an expression of hospitality and welcome them. And and when the faithful old servant went to take the the wife uh, the. Uh, for his master's son and he and his men, and they were invited in to have their feet washed, and they would, they would do that, and that happened in Genesis twenty-four thirty-two. They invited all those guys in. We're going to wash your feet off. And then all, all through the, uh, the old servants, they, they insisted upon speaking about his master's command before eating, that, that they all have their feet washed. Abraham, he was one that showed some hospitality one time. And, and, and there was three strangers that showed up one day. I believe two of them were angels, and I believe one of them was the pre-incarnate Christ. I believe one of them was Jesus himself that showed up at, at Abraham's door. And he said, please, he said, please a, a little water be brought and wash your feet. This, was in, this, was, this, is, this is pre-days of Israel right here. This is before the nation of Israel was ever formed. They were washing the feet. Even Lot, who had gone astray in Sodom, when those two visitors showed up at his house, he said, wash your feet. It was an expression of hospitality. The Israelite custom of foot washing uh, is an extension of that hospitality, and it was, pres- it was preserved right to Jesus. We, we read this just, just a couple of weeks ago where Mary... And Martha, they went in, and Mary took the took the perfume and anointed Jesus, and, and she washed his feet with her hair. What a statement of worship that was. An anointment of the feet with fragrant oil, because she knew that the Christ was getting ready to go to the cross. Now, foot washing was was conducted. Uh, by the slaves, the lowest of the slaves. It was the lowest position that you could possibly obtain. And I don't know, does anybody in here want to wash Brock's feet tonight? No, because it's not a place of honor. Why would you want to wash somebody's feet if it's not a place of honor? But here's another one right here. Uh, Husbands, you got your feet washed by the wives. But this was not a sign of humility this was a sign that they loved and respected their husband it was a lowly task but this was rather esteemed it was honorable to express that love the daily household tasks performed by the wives included the grinding of flour the baking of bread the cooking the laundry all of those things and the nursing the young and and and, and spreading bed covers For the husband, if the wives had a maid, then the daily chores of the wives were performed by them. However, matters such as serving tea, spreading sheets, and washing the hands and the feet of the husband were the task too personal for a slave girl to do. So it was left to the wives to do. You know, there's a story in in 2 Samuel 25, and this is the story of Abigail. Does anybody know who Abigail was? She was the husband of a man who was a hard hearted man, and that man ended up dying and When he died, David took her in he said, "I want to take you as my wife and and she fell, and she washed the feet of David as soon as as he told her that so this quotation. Here in the Bible it says, "Here is your maidservant, a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord." And this quotation has two meanings. On one hand, it expressed her willingness to serve. Secondly, it was her humility. It was humbling for her. It was evident that by her immediate response that she rose in haste and become David's wife, and that that she knew that that this would be a personal. Thing. So why did Jesus wash the feet of the disciples? Why did he do this? Why would he do something like this? I want you to flip over to Matthew 18 for just a second. Flip over to Matthew chapter 18. Verses 1. Through if you've got these captions at the top of your, your paragraphs in your Bibles like I do, this says, who is the greatest? See, the disciples were always arguing. The disciples were always trying to contemplate this one thing. Who is the greatest? Who is the greatest? At this time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them. And he said, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children... You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest of the kingdom of heaven. Now flip over to Matthew 20, just a few pages over. Matthew 20, verses 20 through 27. And then the mother of the son, Zebedee, came to him. This is James and John's mother. And kneeling before him, she asked him for something, and he said to her, What do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and the one at your left in your kingdom. And Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink, that I am to drink from? And they said to him, we are able. And he said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and to sit at my left, and it's not mine to grant. But it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. And then when the ten had heard it, they were indignant to the two brothers. But Jesus called to them and he said to them, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord lord over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be the greatest or the great among you must be your servant and whoever would be the first among you must be your slave. So we, we flip back over here to where Jesus is washing the feet of the disciples. He says, you don't going to understand this right now, but I'm getting ready to do, I've done this for you because you need to humble yourself. You need to become as the servant. And we read, we read on in this, Passage over there, just past verse 12, uh, in the middle of verse 12. Do you understand what I have done? You call me teacher, you call me Lord, and you're right. For I am. For I am. And the Lord, if you are then, if I then, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do as just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Jesus said right here, I'm not greater than God who sent me. But Jesus was God. But he was in the form of a man. And he was trying to teach them something. If you know these things, blessed are you. If you do them. What do they say about knowing what to do and not doing it? It's sin too, right? If you know what to do and you don't do it, then that's sin. If you know these things, then Jesus says, then do them. If you know what's right, then do what is right. I'm not speaking of all of you because he knows that there's one just so that Scripture can be fulfilled. He's going to say this. But then he goes on and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one that I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. This is how Jesus says we become the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, is that we humble ourselves and we wear some feet. There's some dirty jobs that need to be done. And i tell you what, I, I think some, some of the hospice people are some of the greatest people that are around man they do some they do some work that that a lot of people don't want to do they they are literally working with people that they know are could die at any time but yet they still they go in there and they serve and and I don't know how humble some of their hearts are but yet they go in there and they serve in a place where most of us wouldn't want to be and that's what Jesus is really saying here the places you don't want to go, the places you don't want to be, the places, the things that you don't want to do for me. If you'll humble yourself and you'll do these things, then you'll be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And I told uh, Martha I was going to pick on her tonight. I was going to, you know, so washing feet today, should we do it? That's that's the question. That's the question everybody always asks: Should we do it? Should we do it? You know, it's it's not a, it's not an ordinance in the Bible. I can't read anywhere in Scripture that says that the Lord says this is an ordinance. Do this in remembrance of me. No, He didn't say to do that. And there's some churches that practice this foot washing as an ordinance, but it's not. The Bible doesn't say that anywhere. I can't find it. If you can find it in there and and, and bring it to me and say you're supposed to do this, but now I did find a place. And this is where I'm going to pick on Georgia and and and, and Martha for just a minute. But First Timothy five. First Timothy five ten. Flip over there real quick. We'll just read that. First Timothy five. First Timothy five ten. Well, if you start back in nine, it says, Let the widow be enrolled if she is not. At less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband, having the reputation for good works, if she has brought up children and shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, is what the Scripture says, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. Now, the way I read that, the, the widows are supposed to be washing our feet, so we're going to have a line after service tonight, and then George and Martha. No, that's, we're not going to do that. That's, that's how these widows serve. It, so is foot washing biblical? Yes, foot washing is biblical. It's in the Bible. Jesus done it. The widows do it. They done it to the saints of the church. So how do I wash others' others' feet today? How do I wash feet today? The best way to do it is to be that lowly servant. Be humble. If I'm going to title tonight's message. The message is good. would be follow Christ and walk humbly. Walk humbly behind him. Walk lowly behind him. Be the servant that God needs you to be. Be willing to, to serve in places that you may not want to serve. If I was going to give application to you tonight, that's what I would tell you. To live out the gospel message in your life in a way that's humble, a way that's lowly. Because if you do those things, God says you'll be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So I want to go with one more verse tonight. First John, chapter two. First John chapter two, verse six. Some of you may have this one memorized. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Whoever says that they abide in him should walk in the same way in which he walked. And right here, Jesus says, I have given you this as an example that you should also do what I have done. So should we wash feet according to what the scripture says? Absolutely. Should we be willing to take the position of the lowliest of servants? To humble ourselves in front of a God who's died for each and every person in this room? Absolutely. He's done all of this to show us this is how we walk. This is what we do. This is who you are in me. And if you don't let me do this to you, I don't want no part of you because you have no part in me. Serve him because he is your Lord and Savior. He is your teacher. But also, he set the example for us to lower ourselves to the position of the lowest of lows. So we can be the greatest of greatest. Let's pray. Father God, we love you, we thank you. Your word is undebatable. And your love is sure enough undebatable. And tonight I know that there may be somebody in this room that does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I just asked if deal with them through your Holy Spirit, Lord, that they would want to come and give their life to Christ. Father, we just thank you that, that you give us a scripture that we can see that we need to be this type of servant that you want us to be. If we abide in you, then we will follow you. We'll do what you have willed us to do because if we don't, then we're, we don't have no part of you. We're not, we're not in you. Father, I just pray for the Christian that's in the room tonight that they become the servant. Uh, that you would have them to be, that you that they would live in your will, Father, and that they would uh, become that servant, that lowly servant, Father, that they uh, would follow you, that they would follow you. We love you We thank you for Jesus who died on the cross for our sins. And Father, again, I just pray for that lost soul in here tonight that needs Jesus, that they would come tonight altars are open if you need to give your life to Christ come now you need to come and pray these altars are open pray that, that God makes you that lowly humble servant to serve in his will